Well, it's great to be here again. And, you know, um, we were talking to Robin Pauline the other day, and there's a lot of aspects of pastoring and the wonderful privilege it was to pastor at Wyala for uh, the previous five years and, and pastoring for 31 years over my journey before becoming part of the Alpha Cruces College. And it's been a, a great thrill. I love this church. You guys... You're, you're wonderful people. Uh, sometimes we don't appreciate how much God has blessed our churches. And I love to come here. I feel so at home. I feel so much part of the family. I honour Rob and Pauline for, for their heart and authenticity. I'm actually writing a thesis at the moment. It started off as being a 40,000-word thesis. And then the college... I'm doing it with change there, move the goalposts and said, no, it's got to be 60,000 words. And so, and now I've just upgraded it from a doctor of ministry to a PhD. And so now it's got to be around 100,000 words of writing. And the thesis is about the impact that being involved in ministry has on the family life of the pastor. And so I've interviewed 60 pastors and their spouses and are beginning to draw out what are the issues, what are the challenges, what works for you, what would you do differently if you had your time over again, what would you recommend to young ministry families just starting out and so on. So beginning to draw that out and, and sometimes after I've had an interview with a, and I weren't allowed to interview people in South Australia due to the fact I was the vice president of the movement and so they felt that people won't tell me the truth if they told me, you know, how's your family? Awesome. Okay, great. Okay, what are some of the issues? No, we got no issues. We're fine, you know. So, um, so I was advised by the ethics committee when I was doing my um, process towards this research not to interview people in South Australia. So we haven't. But if I did... I would be interviewing Rob and Pauline because they have such authenticity in their home and their kids love God and they've done it really well. Sometimes I've interviewed couples, I've put the phone down and cried, literally prayed for them. I've felt their pain, their children are no longer serving God, they want nothing to do with the church, want nothing. And, you know, I'm now investigating in those, you know, what are the reasons for those things as well so we can help future pastors and their families um, not make those same mistakes and so on. But when I come into Rob and Pauline's home, I see authenticity. They're the same at home as they are in church, as they are anywhere else. And sometimes um, I get a bit naughty with Rob and then Pauline tells me off. And so... Um, <laughs> Just as like I'm one of her children. So, yeah. Um, anyway, that's all part of it. And, uh, but just to see that genuineness, that love of God and so on. And you guys need to be proud of your pastors because they are absolutely outstanding people. Yeah. Yeah. That'll cost you 500 bucks. No. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> Only joking. The beauty of Rob and I is that we go back a long way as well. Rob was a youth leader uh, back in Doncaster Church and I, with Pastor Robert Morris. And when I was starting out in ministry and I met Rob there and, and watched his journey of incredible faithfulness. Whatever his hand finds to do, he does with all his might, with incredible 
diligence and tenacity and as unto the Lord. And so to see what God's doing and what the future holds for them is absolutely outstanding as well. So, um, yeah, if you've got your Bibles, turn in Matthew chapter 25. And this is a story about the ten virgins, the ten bridesmaids that were waiting to care for the bride. And so those bridesmaids were, their responsibility was really, as a bridesmaid is when you get married today, you have bridesmaids, you choose them, and their role then is to, leading up to the wedding, to actually look after the bride, make sure everything's in place, put on a hen's night or whatever they call those nights. What do they call those nights? Um, is that what they call them? Hen's nights and chook nights or whatever. And... Um, Make sure that on her wedding day, her dress is sort of all neat and, you know, someone takes the flowers when they're exchanging the rings. And the whole role of the bridesmaid is to care for the bride. Jesus here is talking about his return when the groom comes back for the bride. Who is the bride? The church. And so Jesus is drawing a picture here when he comes, are there bridesmaids and groomsmen in a sense? Or are there people ready that are still caring for the church? His focus is to serve the church. The bridesmaid's focus is not to be the prettiest girl on the stage when you know the, the bride and groom are getting married. The bridesmaid's focus is to serve the bride. And in the sense, when Jesus is talking about us, be ready to serve the bride. Are you, when Jesus returns, are we serving the bride? Are we serving the church? Are we, you know, ready to go with whatever happens? Because that's what God has called us to be. Before I went to Wyala, the Lord spoke to me and when I was praying about what my future held and what's happening and that. And the Lord spoke to me and said, Daryl, in your post-pastoral years, you'll be teaching at Bible College. At that particular time, I was just saying, well, God, I'm just ready for what you have next and lead the church and so on. And the Lord said, no, in your post-pastoral years, one day you won't be pastoring anymore. You'll be teaching future pastors. And so I had to actually then work out what that means. And so God didn't tell me to go back to Bible college and to do a doctorate. God just said, you're going to be teaching at Bible college. So I thought, well, I need to be ready for that. And so I enrolled in a doctoral course. I had a master's degree in Christian leadership and I hadn't studied for probably three or four years. And so I thought, well, I better get ready for what God told me I need to do. If he wants me to serve the bride in that particular way, I need to go and fill my lamp. I need to make sure I've got what it takes so when that opportunity arises, I'm ready to go. And I actually thought that would be in my 60s, because I was just loving life at Wyala, I was loving serving God, I was loving just having a great time in so many different ways, life was great. But then the principal of the college came about this time last year, about October last year, and said, or probably August firstly, and said, we feel we need you at Bible College, we've got lots of lecturers with lots of academic experience, but we don't have someone with academic qualifications and ministry experience. And so we need someone that comes with ministry experience to teach the future ministers 
rather than just teaching them the theories of ministry and the theology of ministry, but also the experience of ministry and what it really looks like on the ground. And so would you pray about that? And then God reminded me, well, remember, Daryl, you said, I spoke to you that in your post-pastoral years, you'll be teaching at Bible college. And I wrestled with it because I thought that was going to be in my late 60s. And so... um, not in my mid-50s, and so we prayed about it, and then in October last year at our state conference last year, uh, Pastor Steve Fogarty was there again and said, well, we need a decision now, Um, so we'll give you a week to think about it, and so over that time at conference and just afterwards, we made a decision, well, it seems like that's what God was saying to me then. I then positioned myself, readied myself, filled my lamp, made myself qualified, and so now, obviously, I need to do something. Had I just got the thought, and this has been my concern over years of ministry, is there are people that have said to me, I really feel God's called me to ministry. And, and they sort of, I'd say, so what are you doing about that? Well, I'm waiting for God's call. I said, but I thought you said you feel God's calling you. Yeah, I am. So what are you doing to prepare yourself for it? Um, I, I'm just waiting for God to, you know, show me it's really him. And I say, well, why don't you do something about it? Why don't you begin? Some people call to missionary work. So what missionary books are you reading? No, 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 I'm not reading missionary books. You know, they're, well, aren't you called to missions? Didn't you say that? Yeah, yeah, when God, you know, makes it clear, when he wants me to go, I'll start reading the missions books. No, you need to prepare now. And it's not just preparing you know, mentally, in a sense, or academically, it's preparing your life. I know one young man that, you know, 20, 30 years ago said to me, oh, I just have this great sense of call. And he was drinking and he was carrying on. He was watching movies that he shouldn't have been doing, watching and stuff. So I said to him, didn't you say God called you? Yeah. Well, what are you doing this for? Well, when he really says it's time, then I'll stop doing all of that. And then I'll start doing the right things. Well, hello, you need to be living in a righteous... When did God call Noah? It was Noah was a man that was righteous, so he called Noah to build the ark. He was already on his journey. He was already living the life. I remember as a teenager, knowing God had called me to be a pastor, and so it was like when I was at school, I was conscious of the fact that some of these people that I'm at school with one day may end up in my church. And so there were particular opportunities to sin and do things as a teenager that I actually thought, if I go down that path, what if that person ends up in my church? There were all sorts of opportunities to do things that weren't godly. And so I decided, well, I've got to live like a pastor now. Not live like a pastor when I've got a title or a position but live like a pastor now. And so what was interesting, I went to Bible college in 1982, 83 and 84, graduated from college and then went back to Melbourne to be a youth pastor in an area, not the church I came from, but in an area where my school was. And next thing, in my church, are young people bringing people from that school And some of them that were my age, I was just 23 at the time when I went there, were now getting saved that were from the school that I remember you at school. 
Some of my friends even now that I've met with on Facebook after 40 years of being connected to them, all of a sudden, what are you doing? I'm a minister. Always knew you were going to be a minister. It wasn't a fact of, oh, that's crazy. Not the life you used to live. You're a hypocrite, you know. But it was like, no, I knew God had called me then. And so I had to live my life according to the word of God so that no one could point the finger at me and say, you weren't a Christian then. You called yourself a Christian. You didn't live like a Christian. And so in a sense, just a couple of weeks ago, one of the guys I went through high school with and then did an apprenticeship with me. I was a tool maker, fitter and machinist, a, tool, a tradie at that time. And would witness to him all the time, but he'd sort of, ah, I don't want anything to do with that. Well, a few weeks ago, I reconnected with him through another friend on Facebook, found out he was in hospital with cancer. So I rang him and he said to me, he said, Daryl, all that stuff you used to say, used to stay with me, but I didn't want anything to do with it. But because of this crisis, I've given my life to Christ. And it's so good. And here he is talking about praise the Lord and hallelujahs and stuff on the phone. And I'm like, this is not the Zelko, who turned his name to Jack, that I knew in those days. And so all of a sudden, because the seed of God stays and you don't know, you know, you're serving God, you're doing what God wants you to do. And you don't never know when that seed that's lying in the ground will begin to fertilize and take off. And so the reality of it is, is now, these particular, I haven't even got to the scriptures yet, haven't even got to my introduction yet, so I better take my watch off. A friend of mine was asked to go to an Anglican church, and um, in this church, and I'm not knocking Anglicans, we've got some good Anglican friends, but they're sitting in the church, and on the wall they've got all these numbers, and they're person says, what's that? Is that for bingo or something later on? And they said, no, they're the hymn numbers. And so, oh, okay. And then they're asking, you know, all of a sudden the organ starts playing from the back. What's that? Oh, that's the organ we're about. And so asking his Anglican friend about all the different process of how they go through church. And so the agreement was then, I'll go to your church, you'll come to my church. And so they then came to the Pentecostal church, and in the Pentecostal church, everyone just stood up, lifted up their hands. What's that about? And explained. Everyone then, as they did communion, explained how they do communion and, you know, virtual things that were happening throughout church. And then it got up, and the preacher got up and took his watch off and put it on the pulpit, just like I did. And, and the person, Anglican person said, what does that mean? And the Pentecostal person said, absolutely nothing. So... Uh, <laughs> Matthew chapter 25, verse 1. The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of ten bridesmaids who took their lamps, and I'm reading from the um, New Living Translation, took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish took no oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all lay down and slept. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and welcome him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. 
But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. And while they were there, while they were gone to buy all, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Sir, open the door for us. But he called back, I don't know you. So stay awake and be prepared because you do not know the day or hour of the Lord's return. So this is speaking about the return of Jesus. But while we're even waiting for Jesus, Jesus said to his disciples, Occupy till I come. In other words, remain active, serve, be involved in the kingdom of God till I come. Don't just wait, oh, Jesus is coming, I better sort of start doing the right things right now. But you don't know the day nor the hour, and so be involved, be ready, as I said, as the bridesmaids, to serve the bride, to serve the church, so that the church is ready for when the bridegroom comes. Imagine if you're getting married, and Mariah, I think, is in kids' church as well. Oh, there's Mariah, getting married. And imagine, okay, it's on the 9th of September, 2017. Note that in your diaries, no holidays that weekend. Okay, so it's on the 9th of September, 2017. And on that particular day, it's Mariah's wedding day. She's getting married at 1 o'clock, let's say. And so... Saturday morning, is it a Saturday or a Friday? Saturday comes up. Mariah, getting married today. Oh, I'm just going to sleep in today. You got to get your makeup written? No. What about your head? No. Okay. When time you get married? One o'clock. 12.30, Mariah gets out of bed. <laughs> Where's my dress? Oh, I forgot to pick it up. I'm not ready. And the whole process, now don't have nightmares about this now, Mariah. Okay. <laughs> But I'm sure that is not the attitude she would take to meet her groom. She would be ready. When my wife got, when my wife got married to me, um, which is the only person she ever married, and so she was up at 6 o'clock in the morning, and we got married at 1 o'clock on Anzac Day, 1981. And so she was up at 6 and getting her hair done and getting the makeup on and all that. Well, I didn't know what to do, so I just went and saw my cousin, because I just have a shower, throw my suit on and turn up. Got there a, a, an hour early because the guys used to, you know, do stuff to your car. Um, and so I thought I'd go and get there an hour early and hide my car so they can't find my car and then get into the church. So Richmond Temple was a church on Bridge Road in Richmond. And so I turned up an hour early after hiding my car and I met the, the church midday. And I'm knocking on the doors because no one else was there. And here I am, like the groom, that his bride's not there and trams are going past and watching this guy all dressed up to get married and he can't get in the church. And so it was a bit like the, the late uh, bridesmaids there. But in a sense, she was up early. She was ready to go. She's, I'm meeting my groom today. I've got to get myself ready. And so she was ready to go in that sense. But imagine not turning up and turning up late and not being ready for your wedding. Imagine when you're going on the dream holiday of your life 
and you're thinking, okay, we've got to catch a plane at this time, and so we're going to go on a holiday, and it's going to be our round-the-world trip or whatever, and so, but you just don't prepare yourself, you don't pack your bags, and then someone, the taxi driver comes to pick you up to take you to the airport, and you're like, oh, hang on, I haven't packed my bags yet. You miss your plane. You miss out on the big dream. You can miss out on that. So many people have dreams in their hearts, but they don't bother to prepare for the dream. They don't bother to position themselves for the dream. They want to meet the bridegroom. They want to be involved in kingdom things. And they've had this stirring. They've had this dream in their hearts, but they haven't prepared. They haven't thought ahead. They haven't thought, well, what if God calls me and I'm not ready? Rather than God's called me and when he comes knocking on the door, then I'll bother about getting myself ready then. No, be ready now. Fill up your oil lamps. Fill up your life so that you can be ready for all that God has for you at that particular time. Prioritize for the purpose. When I went to Bible college, I didn't even know what God was going to do with my life. I went, I was a, got married on my honeymoon. God said, now you've got this part of your life right now. It's time to get ready to serve me. And so I want you to go to Bible college. And so came back enrolled in Bible college and eight months later we ended up at Bible college at the start of 1982 and so I didn't know I was going to be a missionary, a pastor, a youth pastor. I, you know, I was a very nervous person. I couldn't speak in front of people. I'd try and speak in front of people. I'd be so nervous. Tears would well up in my eyes. I, it wasn't natural for me to stand in front of people but I just thought, well God, I feel a sense of call. I, I, I feel a sense of call to be a pastor, but I don't think I can. But I, I'm, I'm not sure how this is going to work. But I'll just go and just see what happens and I'll just prepare myself. And so at the end of the three years doing the diploma, as it was then, at the end of three years now, that would be a bachelor's degree. But at that time, doing the diploma, at the end of that, then I was invited back to Springvale, Victoria, where I became a youth pastor. And as I said, had many people from Westall High School, where I went to high school, all of a sudden start coming to our church. And so, but when I went, I was just, well, I'll just get ready. I'm not sure exactly what it looks like. It's a little bit like when you're sitting on the seashore and you can see a ship out in the ocean. And it's like, is that a cargo ship? Is that a oil ship? Is that a wheat ship? Is that a cruise ship? I'm not sure. But as you get a bit closer, you begin to, and you start taking steps towards it, start swimming towards it, um, you begin to see, okay, that's the shape of that. And so it's a little bit like that of God, I I know you've called me and, uh, you know, I'm not sure how I can lead people in that, but I'll, I'll just keep taking each step as I go, preparing myself and you'll make it clearer as I keep going forward. And so there's a sense in our lives that we've got to do that. And so I believe every person in the house of God should be always preparing for the next step. Shouldn't be just waiting for it to come and, oh, I'm not ready for that. But should be positioning themselves. As I said, as I began to prepare doing my doctorate because God said, so I had to start qualifying and getting ready for that moment whenever that would come. And in a sense, we should all be preparing, not just, I'm saying academically, but our lives. If there are areas in your life that God basically can't use you because you are um, living and doing things that... um, 
are not pleasing to God, like this guy 30 years ago, well, one day I'm going to serve God. He's still drinking. He's still carrying on. He turns up to church and, you know, no one would know except people close to him. He's actually related to me. And so, but every time I talk about the call of God, yeah, 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 I'm still waiting. Well, why don't you clean your life up a little bit? Well, wait, when God tells me, I'll do that. God's never going to come knocking at your door because you're not ready and you're not living, you're not living a righteous life. And in a sense, the Holy Spirit is a dove and he comes upon people with anointing. He has good intentions for every person, whether you're sinning or not. But the anointing of the Holy Spirit is like a dove. And we find in, in the book of Genesis, we find that Noah sent out the dove to see whether there was any ground out there. Clear ground, secure ground, clean ground. And when the dove returned back to him, they realized, well, the waters haven't subsided yet. So a little later, he sends the dove out again. And the dove goes out the second time and doesn't return. And they realize the waters must have subsided. There must be some solid ground, secure ground, and clean ground because doves don't sort of settle on anything that's dirty or insecure. And so when the, the, the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus as a dove, it was be, and then God's word spoke, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased after Jesus was baptized, was purely because of the holiness of Christ, because the dove doesn't come on something that's not living holy. And I'm not talking about perfect. I'm talking about a heart towards holiness and a heart that is saying, God, I know this is wrong. I'm going to get it right. And I'm going to live as holy, as righteous as I possibly can so your anointing can rest on me, so your call can be released through my life, so your purpose in my life can be released in your life. And so it's not just preparing in our minds, it's preparing in our hearts, it's preparing in our lives. It's saying, Lord, I'm, I want to be ready. When you, when you call, when the opportunity arises, when you say, I'm already ready, I'm waiting. I'm prepared. My lamp is full. The oil in the lamp represented the Holy Spirit. So they had to go and get there some more oil. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. The actual word be filled is, is in the continuous. It's be being filled. And so it's not just, well, I was filled with the Holy Spirit on the 17th of May, 1970, it's no be being filled, being, having the top of your tank full. My dad used to say, Daryl, if you keep the top of your tank full, the rest of it will look after itself. Never let your tank become empty. Just once it gets about half full, keep filling it up, keep filling it up so you don't run out of fuel. In the same sense, spiritually, be being filled every day. We say, Lord God, fill me afresh. Fill me, Lord God, so I'm, I'm full of oil. I'm full of your anointing. And when the opportunity arises, I need to draw on that anointing to touch someone's life, to pray for the sick, to get ready to see someone's life change. I'm not lost. In Luke chapter 11, it says a guy comes knocking at the door. Give me some bread because a friend of mine has come. I have nothing to give him. And that's in the context, if you read on, Jesus says about if you ask for the Holy Spirit, God will give you the Holy Spirit in Luke 11. And so it's speaking about there, 
have something in your cupboard to feed the person that comes knocking. Sometimes people come into your life and say, I really need to know about God. Can you tell me? Oh, hang on, I'll ring my pastor. But if you've got something in your cupboard to give them and say, I can tell you what Jesus has done for me. I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. My cupboard is full. What would you like? I can give you everything I've got. I'll give it all to you. I don't have to go looking somewhere else for it. And so Jesus here is saying, fill your lamps with oil. Be anointed. Be ready. Don't let the oil run dry in your life. I think I'll conclude there because time's going. So I just want to pray right now. I just sense this, this word on my heart, I haven't even got to my illustrations and stuff. I've just been pouring out my heart right now. But I just sense that God has been stirring some people today and saying, the best is ahead of you. Someone said to me, Daryl, why are you still studying at 55? And I said, because one day I'm going to be 60. And I'm going to be 60 no matter what, if the Lord allows that. I could be 60 with a PhD or I could be 60 without a PhD. And so if I've got one, God can use that. I'm going to write a book to help pastors and their families. I'm preparing something to, even when I die, someone can pick that book up and be blessed by that, be helped in their ministry for that or whatever. And so while I'm living and breathing, my age, I'm going to live my life and forget my age and just keep doing what God's called me to do. And so there's no limit. We should be lifelong learners, always learning and growing so that we can help others. And so I just sense God's stirring people. Some people have had dreams in your heart, but you're waiting for that next little riding in the sky or that next little thing, and then you'll start preparing. God's saying, no, I've given you the dream. Start positioning yourself to be ready to fulfill that dream. Get yourself ready, whether that be become part of the college whether and learning and growing and getting greater understanding, whether that be actually preparing your life because you know there's some things in your life that the dove can't settle on, the anointing can't settle on because it's unclean or unstable. But God's saying, don't be like the unprepared bridesmaids. Be prepared, ready to serve the bride the church in a sense to serve the kingdom and keep filling up your lamp keep enough oil keep prepared God I'm ready whenever you come even if it is for the return of the Lord Lord I'm ready I'm not waiting till you come and then I'm going to repent at the last moment I'm ready now for you to come for you to take me into my eternal destiny with you but Lord, if you don't come, I'm still ready to be found serving you and serving your bride and, and positioned, Lord God, for the opportunities that may open up for me to do something awesome for your kingdom now. So Lord, I'm going to get ready. I'm not just going to let the dream. I just have a sense. The Holy Spirit said someone's had a dream. You had a dream long ago and it has died. But God is just saying, I'm, I'm going to revive that dream if you're willing, not just to dream, but to get your life prepared to fulfill that dream. I'll revive that dream in your heart. I'm going to stir something fresh, stir that anointing 
afresh in your life. So while every Christian is praying right now and every person is just contemplating on what the Lord's been saying to you personally, and I believe He's been taking my natural words and bringing them to your heart in a supernatural way. And so as the Holy Spirit, it may be different things that I've said that has stirred your heart right now. Firstly, if there's someone here you've never given your life to Jesus, and I don't know all of you, and so your first step to fulfill the purpose that God has for you is just to say, Lord, I give you my life. Here's my life. Forgive me for my sin. Take hold of my life, God, and do something with it. Lord, for the reason that I was born, for the destiny that I was created for. Well, every Christian's praying right now, and you'd like to give your life over to Jesus right now. Just lift up your hand, and I'll see it. Then you can put it down, and we want to pray for you. Someone here, you've never actually made that first step. Lord, take this life. Do something with it. Forgive me for my sin. I want to be positioned for when, both when you return and also while you're here. Just hold your hand up. If I haven't seen it, then you can put it down again. Is anyone? Okay. There are other people here that when I talk about dreams and the Lord's been stirring your heart and saying, get ready, get prepared. Make a commitment to your future. Don't wait for your future to come to you. Step towards your future. Make a commitment to get ready, to do whatever the Holy Spirit's saying, whether it's cleaning your life up and, and making yourself ready for the dove to rest on you, or whether it's that's all okay, but you, God's talking to you about preparing more, maybe studying, maybe serving the church when you haven't been serving His bride. And God's saying, I want you to do that. I want you to step up to the mark. Well, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you, lift up your hand and just say, Lord, I'm serious about this now. I'm going to position myself, prepare myself for you to use my life, for you to do something through me. I'm ready to do whatever it takes to serve the bride. Hallelujah. Quite a few hands lifted up right now. As your hands are raised right now, I just had a picture of the dove beginning to settle. I had a picture of some that are the dove settling and God's just giving you big dreams. God's beginning to give you a sense of the future. Some of you in serving God, Pastor Rob had that word from uh, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12, who, Abraham, who through faith, and patience inherited the promise through faith and patience it's going to take a little bit of faith and patience it's going to prepare you for all that god has for you father i pray for every person with their hand raised right now i can see heaven smiling i can see lord you smiling because you smiled at the birth of those people whose hands are raised because you saw an incredible future. Lord, even before they were born, you knew them and you smiled on their life and had a great plan for their lives. But Lord God, even as they have now progressed in life, Lord God, there is still a great smile and you are saying to them, if you could just see what I see. But Lord, they've just got to take that next step of preparation, that next step, Lord God, towards that vision, that next step as it gets clearer to the fullness of day.
And so I thank you, God, that from this place, Lord, you're going to raise, you're raising great, will-changing ministries, great people who are just going to serve you. Lord God, just get upon your will. Get on the journey that you have for their lives. And Lord God, you can see lives because of these people, who lives are going to be changed because of their lives, for them getting ready, positioning, preparing, Lord God, to fulfill your purpose in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What a great God we serve. You know, there's over 31 years of pastoring, and even before that, I talked about that guy, Zelko. See incredible things happening, and, and God's so excited about your future. And I've gone far too long, and so I'm out of here because Pastor Robert Kilmer.